Ready to dominate at the plate? Blast Baseball is trusted by more major league and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 at checkout to save $25. All right, everybody, let's get right into it. I'm Alan Gay, and this is Now D1 Speaks. We got a special show today. We're fortunate enough to have Coach Connor Burke join us. He is the head coach at Iona University. Hey, Coach Burke, are you there? Yes, I am, Alan. Thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for joining us. I cannot wait to really get into this conversation. Hey, maybe you ought to kind of kick it off and give just a little bit of an introduction of yourself, maybe a little bit of your playing career and how ultimately you really got into coaching. Sure. So I think my lackluster playing career probably aided in my coaching. Um, I started off at St. Leo University in Tampa, Florida, went there out of high school, and I was incredibly immature, probably not ready to be that far away from home, um, being from New York, and did awful my first semester, and lost all my academic money, was athletically ineligible, and my dad said, you want to know what, like, it's time for you to come home, or figure out how to pay for school, because I'm not paying for it with those grades, so I came back home and went to Suffolk County Community College, where we went to back-to-back Junior College World Series. I was lucky enough to captain those teams for Bobby Molinaro. Uh, My second year, unfortunately, I tore my wrist right before the season started um, and wound up finishing my junior college career at Guilford Tech Community College for John Barrow in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, Playing down there in, I believe it's Region 10, Division I Region 10 Junior College ball was a massive eye-opener for me. I played against Lewisburg, Spartanburg Methodist, Pitt. Um, There were 19 players, I believe, drafted out of the conference that year. And I looked around and said, man, I'm not a professional player. So when I had the opportunity to come play back home in New York City at Queens College for Tom Sawinski at an incredibly affordable price with scholarship and everything, I said, man, I can't can't miss this. Uh, So I came home. Played for Tom my junior year at Queens College. And unfortunately, that year uh, in the fall, I dove for a ball and wound up fracturing my L5 in two places. Uh, Wound up thinking it was a herniated disc and played on it for most of the year. And by that summer, I was having a lot of trouble walking. So I went to the doctor and uh, they told me, you know, they have the do you have the fractures in your L5 you have two options you can get surgery or go into a back brace um, and I was 21 at the time and I said I'm not going to get back surgery so I went in a back brace and I was actually in it for 18 months so lost my entire senior year in college uh, so I can't even remember my last baseball game that I played but Tom after that year asked me to coach with him. And I was so mad at him. I said, I'm not a coach. I'm still a player. I'm going to come back and break all the single season records. And um, told my girlfriend at the time about it. I was like, yeah, can you believe this? And she is now my wife. And she told me basically, you're an idiot. This is what you're 
supposed to do. Like, I've been telling you, you're going to coach, so why don't you give it a shot? Uh, so I went back with my tail between my legs uh, a couple days later and told Tom that I accept the position. I very much like to coach. And in order to get ready that summer, um, just diving into the coaching world, I hooked up with my old summer ball coach, Bobby Cruz, um, who was with the Bayside Yankees. It was an incredibly reputable travel organization at the time. And he introduced me to Mark Cassetta, and I started coaching with the Bayside Yankees. Uh, so that was my kind of first introduction, just how I kind of got into coaching. Man, what a fantastic, well, not fan, fantastic, but what a <laughs> run through and uh, just so many pieces to touch on. Uh, hey, for those that are listening and thank you so much for joining us, uh, Coach Burke and, and myself, we don't know each other and, and we're getting to know each other. I'm in Florida. I'm in Orlando. I'm not far from St. Leo, just kind of the first place you went. And that that's a yeah. great baseball program. It's a fantastic D2 school. They're in an unbelievably competitive conference it's a high academic school so mm -hmm. i'm sure you know your first semester i can i can definitely appreciate what you went through your first semester i'm sure your dad was ready to to literally wring your neck yeah and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know i i was really blessed in the fact that i had super supportive parents who kind of let me fail right like they they let me go out on my own and make mistakes and learn from my mistakes and they were always there to maybe not clean my mistakes up for me, but guide me through, through the solutions. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and what a supportive and smart wife. Congratulations. <laughs> to, uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's I, what it takes. You need, you got to have that type of support and man, what incredible vision she had to, to really know where it is that, that you should be in life and to, you know, and, and to partner with you and, and support you in that direction. Yeah. I think any, coach knows that is married that without them it wouldn't be possible I, I was lucky enough to actually meet her that first semester down at st leo so well you were meant to be there even if it was only for you know a couple of months you were absolutely meant to be in tampa florida that's fantastic uh how is your back i mean 18 months in a brace never had the surgery uh do you have any uh, effects today or are you okay uh, I got permanent nerve damage in my left leg, um, but it, you know, it hasn't stopped me from doing anything. And a lot of it's my own fault. Why it was 18 months, uh, the 12 month mark happened. We got the brace off and instead of taking it slow, I was gung ho on getting back to where I was as fast as possible. So my third day out, I decided to go out and do some hill sprints and wound up like having causing basically a stress fracture in it after that. So it was, it was a lot of my own, my own stubbornness. Uh, but honestly, my back is good. It has its days, but if I stay active, I stay exercising I'm I'm generally good. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, I'm curious about one thing. I mean, playing at such a high level and having such a competitive spirit and, and then, being sidetracked like that for a year and a half and trying to get back and, and having that fire burning in, in you, e even though your wife was pointing you toward, uh, you know, ultimately coaching at what point were you kind of able to come to terms with that? I, I got to believe it's just not easy to put aside an, a potential athletic career and, and just say it, it's, it's finally over. 
was there a particular point later in your coaching career where you just really came to terms that, Hey, you accepted that and, and you knew now you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think it's just my personality that when I pick something up, I pretty much dive into it with everything I have. It doesn't matter what it is. So that coming to terms with it happened pretty much that night when I spoke with my wife and I needed to reflect and remember that like, even though I was an average, adequate college baseball player and I was able to hit a little, that I was not going to play professionally. And you start thinking of losing the game, something that you know, you've loved and you've known since you're four or five years old, right? Like outside of your immediate family, it's the most consistent thing in your life. And you're going to do anything you can to hold on to it. And me being able to extend having baseball in my life a little bit longer seemed to make sense. So picking up coaching from there on was just, all right, if I was going to dive into this, I'm going to dive into it. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it everything I have and fully commit. I can understand that. And then you, you, you mentioned the Bayside Yankees. I mean, it was a big time travel team. Just to talk a little bit more about that, you know, I mean, how did that really, your experience with just elite youth players, how did that really influence your coaching style even today? The best way that I could say it influenced my coaching style was to see young men go through the recruiting process and understand like the pressure and stress that it was actually putting on them and their families. I think the further that we get removed from the game itself, um, coaches, we forget what it's like to be a 16, 17 year old kid looking to go to college and that massive decision that you're trying to weigh and falling in love with the school and that school, not, being in love with you right? like it's generally your first heartbreak as a recruited player so being able to empathize with recruits I think is a big piece of how it impacted me as a coach and how we do things from a recruiting process and how I've been with guys that I've recruited um, just being as transparent as we possibly can like even if it, the truth is going to hurt them it's not leading kids on telling them exactly where they stand exactly what we're about basically trying to create no surprises in the process at all. Well, I got to tell you, that really kind of leads me into my next question, which was going to be about recruiting. And your reputation really is a recruiter. I think that's one of the strengths that you absolutely bring to a program. I mean, you've been at Dartmouth, you've been at University of Maine, you're certainly now you're the, you're the head coach at Iona University, but you have a reputation for recruiting. What, what is it that you necessarily do to attract top talent? I think one of the things that we focus on is making sure that that player has the talent to play at the level that you're at, but just making sure they're the type of person that you want in your program. So I think it's doing the homework early on, talking to their high school coaches, talking to their travel coaches, uh, when I was with Coach Whalen at Dartmouth, it was talking to the guidance counselors to make sure academically they're going to be the fits that you want. And then from there, just being transparent with kids and families. I think everybody wants truth. Even if the truth hurts and it stinks, 
Uh, we tell our guys all the time, like everybody wants to be honest and you want truth until it punches you in the mouth. <laughs> all right. Um, but we're just bluntly honest with guys and at the same time being able to empathize with them. I tell you, everybody does want truth. How, how do you figure out the truth of a prospect? And, and what I mean by that is a prospect could absolutely have the, the skill set to play at the level that you want him to play at. He could have the grades to qualify and, and to do very, very well at the next level, but maybe he doesn't have the makeup. And, and how, do you, how do you figure that piece out while you're going through the recruiting process? Well, I think, you know, that's, there's no data that points to that, right? Like it's, it's all opinion based. So I think that's the hardest thing to kind of grasp. And that's always the thing that we discuss the most um, in our program with coach Shimonico and, you know, coach lines, Harrison, who are rock stars, by the way. Um, but being able to speak with them daily is not only about the player, but the person. So you weigh things back and forth about just how they respond to failure. What does their high school coach think of them? How do they show up to the yard? Uh, it goes on and on for these little arbitrary points that we kind of assign meaning to. And then just your general conversation that you have with kids as far as are they open? Are they honest? Are they hiding things? All it's, it's so much as just what we believe in and our morals and our values and does that player align with it? And I think when you start talking to the kids after that, you kind of tell them what you're about. And again, like there are litmus tests that you use throughout the whole thing, right? As far as can a guy handle the truth? Is he going to respond to this? And we are bluntly honest with kids throughout the process and the guys that stick around we know they're meant to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about the guys that stick around. I mean, you, you've seen a lot of players develop in your programs that have had tremendous amount of success. And, you know, specifically just kind of thinking about the uh, University of Maine. I know you've had a couple of players that were drafted, certainly. I'm just curious as to what kind of growth did you see them go through in college at the University of Maine before the draft and, and what, you know, it, what was the intangibles that maybe kind of set them apart just a little bit? And, you know, it's fascinating. It's almost like what we were just talking about with recruiting prospects at a high school or even junior college and trying to figure out their makeup. I'm sure you see so many guys that have tremendous amount of talent, talent really to play at the major league level, but they don't necessarily make it. What kind of sets some of these guys apart? so that they are able to achieve that next step? That's a great question. It's, it's something that we talk about with our guys when they ask, you know, what does it take to play at the next level? And at Maine, you know, with Coach Durba, Coach Trimper, Coach Heath, John Schiffner, we had an unbelievable coaching, coaching staffs up there, uh, Matt Marsh. And one thing I think we'll all say is it was dedication um, that those guys had. And it wasn't just dedication to practice, right? Like everybody can practice hard, but these guys' lives were dedicated to being great. So the f people that they hung out with off the field, did it meet, did those people meet their goals and help them achieve that? 
their sleep, their nutrition, right? there was nothing that wasn't geared towards being great. Right. And I think the thing that all of us will think of right away is Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Pena, but all those guys that got drafted those years with Chris Beck, Nick Silva, Danny Casals, like all those guys who went on to play professionally, they all had that in line where a majority of their life was geared towards being great. It wasn't just baseball. It wasn't just practice when they were there. It was the work that they put in when they weren't there and the work that they put into their lives to make sure that the people surrounding them and their daily habits were matching with their goal. That's a great answer. Do you think that that's just innate? It was something that was just in them or, or do you think that the coaches and, and you certainly were able to help kind of foster that, that greatness? I would be lying if I said that we had anything to do with those guys and their ability to be dedicated in outside areas. I think that takes a unique person. I mean, it's always going to take a unique person to be in college and be surrounded by your peers who are going to go have fun on a fall Friday night, even though you have practice early Saturday morning and they're going to get four hours, five hours of sleep and you're sitting there going, man, it's 10 o'clock. I got to get going. And the night is just starting. Like that takes a really special person to be able to do that, who has a clear vision of what they want and what it takes to get there. Hey, now you're back. You're back in New York. You're back home. Uh, you're coaching head coach at Iona university. It's a strong academic institution. And uh, what is it that you are doing to really kind of balance a cultural fit with a, with an academic fit as well. It's just talking about excellence and how it doesn't take a break that it's not a light switch. It's not something we can turn on and off, right? Like it is a habit. How you do anything is how you do everything. So we try to find guys who have that like-mindedness, kids who believe in that a staff who believes in it. It's making sure that the message is consistent every single day. Well, let me ask you about Iona this year and uh, on the field, just wrapped up your fall season, getting ready to, to have a much needed Christmas break. And then you're going to be back at it hard, you know, in January, how are you guys looking and, and really what's the expectation as you come into the spring? <laughs> I think all coaches try to handle their expectations and, tone them down a little bit, their excitement, right? Because if you don't like your team after the fall, then something is wrong. Like something is massively wrong <laughs> if you don't like your team after the fall. Um, but we've gone through some real struggles and growing pains in the first two years here. Um, but we are very excited for this year. We have a group that is older now, that's combined with some youth. They've been around us for going on their third year they model our values our standards our expectations we have great veteran leadership and we have some talent to go along with it so i would say that i do believe that we have some pieces here that are going to allow us to win some ball games and we're very excited for that thank you to all the listeners today thank you for the support of now d1 speaks and thank you for the support of coach connor burke as well We've got a great environment on Now D1 Speaks. He gives uncommitted prospects an opportunity to really kind of talk about their achievements on the field 
and their achievements off the field as well, who they are, what their makeup is all about. We also give an opportunity to college coaches to really kind of highlight themselves, their careers, the progression that they're on, and more importantly, the program that they, in, that they represent. If you're interested in being part of this format, please reach out to me. The easiest way to get in touch with me is through X. My handle name is at now underscore D1. Please send me a DM. I'm sure that we can figure out a schedule. That's awesome. I'm excited for you. And, and I, I want to touch a little bit further on the academic piece. And, and as I know, Coach Burke, you're well aware, our core audience is really uncommitted high school guys, high school prospects and their parents. And, and they're, they're trying to figure out how to get to the next level. Their, their goal is quite honestly just to be on the field with you. And, and they're interested not only in what it takes to be athletically successful, but I know many of them are also concerned about academics as well and really how you balance those two. And as I was doing a little bit of research on Iona, I mean, I think it was last year, your team, you had 16 student athletes on the, on the all, Amer- all academic team in conference for the MAC conference. How, just kind of give us a sense of what is the day-to-day routine in season for student athletes. I'm just curious as to how they're able to be successful on the field as well as successful in the classroom during such a busy, busy semester. Well, we first off have a wonderful support staff with academics. I mean, Iona is a small Catholic university that is known for basketball when you're known for basketball, that means that you're a, you're a sports school and Iona loves athletics. So the fact that athletics has been ingrained in Iona, uh, it definitely helps, right? Like your professors don't fight it. They like it. Um, they understand some of the demands and challenges. Uh, they don't give our guys breaks, but what they do is they work with them for when they're on the road. So I think that's the first key is that we have just such great people here at Iona. And I can't speak enough about that. But a daily routine for our, life, for our guys in the spring is we used to practice, actually, believe it or not, from 9 a.m. until noon. Now, this year we're practicing a little bit later. Uh, we'll practice starting around uh, 10.30. So our guys will take some morning classes, head over to practice, lift right after, and then take one, maybe two night classes after that. Um, So it's a full round-the-clock thing for them. And one of the things that we do is our freshmen have study hall hours. That's it. Our freshmen and our guys who are below a 3.0, those are the guys who have study hall hours. And we use study hall not as a punishment but as a tool for time management where we say, hey, guys, like this is not a punishment. This is to ensure that we are putting hours aside for academics, right? Like the biggest problem with freshmen when they come in is you're going to go from you're spending, you know, 25 plus hours a week in a classroom to now all of a sudden 12 to 15 hours. And now we're adding practice on. So while there's more free time, there's also less structure. 
So our ability to build in study hours for them helps with their time management, which generally freshmen struggle with the most. That's the biggest adjustment freshmen have to make is being on their own and dealing with time management. So we try to aid and assist them with that. Hey, again, I'd like to just thank everyone that is listening today. Thank you for the support of Now D1, and thank you for the support of Coach Connor Burke. You can find this podcast. The name of the podcast is Now D1 Speaks. It is literally everywhere. It's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, all the indies. It's very easy to find, and I would absolutely appreciate it if you would subscribe Maybe listen to a couple, give it a fair rating, and hopefully it's a five-star. So again, thank you very much for your support. I got to believe that's part of the recruiting pitch, for lack of a better word, when, when you're talking to prospects, it, it, to be sure that they can really align with the values at Iona is the, that academic piece that you just walked through and how critical and how important that is. Um, I'm just wondering as well, for recruiting, I mean, if, if we could just kind of continue to speak a little bit on that subject. And as you know, you're well aware, the recruiting landscape has changed dramatically, you know, over the last three or four years, you know, certainly with COVID, you know, I mean, that, that's created in many cases a sixth year for, for many players. The transfer portal has created a brand new dynamic. And, and then even the, the D1 contact rules that went into effect in, in just what type of advice could you potentially give to parents and give to prospects that are in high school that can potentially help them kind of navigate a, a different terrain than they probably were expecting when they first started playing little league. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, Recruiting process has changed so drastically since I started coaching Division One baseball. It's entirely different. Like it has never been easier to be seen or have your information out there, but it's also never been probably harder to be recruited at the same time. So it is an incredibly difficult landscape to navigate. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think for parents, one thing we always talk about you know, probably behind closed doors is when you're looking at schools, like if I was doing this for my son and he wanted to play college baseball, I would tell him, I'd say, okay, well, what schools do you want to go to? Have him create that list of eight to 10 schools and then say, okay, now let's look at their roster. So now we go through their roster and the first thing that we're going to address, whether it's right, wrong, indifferent, is going to be the size of the players. And we're going to say, all right, do we look like this? Because while there is no height requirement to play this game, people have biases as far as what they like to recruit. So if you see a bunch of pitchers who are six foot two and up and you are five nine, it's probably going to be a challenge to be recruited by that place. So then the next thing we're going to look at from there is going to be where they're from. If you are in region, if you are out of region, how many guys are from your region? Again, that's really important because if you see nobody from your region on that roster, well, they probably don't recruit that area. Eyes aren't up there. So it's going to be very challenging for you to be seen by that place. Then the next thing, if that box checks is going to be, okay, what kind of academics do I need to fit into the school? 
because if you can't fit academically, it doesn't matter. So we're going to go, we're going to check out the academics. All right. Do they have the major that matches us? Yes. Beautiful. Check. And then we're going to go financial. How much is it to go to school? Because that is a huge piece of the puzzle nowadays. Colleges are getting more expensive than they ever been. And if financially it's not going to be a fit, you can't get past that no matter what you do. So we're going to look at if I get an average academic scholarship, how much will be left for us to pay? Because on the baseball side of things, we get 11.7 scholarships to divvy up right now, which means not everybody's going to be on scholarship. And it also means that probably nobody is going to be on a full ride. So you're going to have to pay for something. Those would be my first couple of ways as to just like gather information on schools. And it's going to be a little time consuming, but that's what I would do as far as gathering information. Then from there, if you check all those boxes, everything hits, reach out to the schools, reach out to their recruiting coordinator, send a personal email that says, my name is you know, John Doe. I play at X high school. I'm an outfielder. This is my graduation year. This is my GPA. I'm very interested in your university because of this major. Here is my video. If you have any camps that you are running, I would love to attend. Boom. And shoot it out. All right. Like it's quick. It's simple. It gives video. It gives your information. And it shows you're serious by you addressed the coach themselves. You addressed the university in the title, the major that's interested and you made yourself available for camp. Right? Like when you hit those things, you could tell it's not a mass email and that person is actually legitimately interested. So I know I just threw a lot of information out there, but that, that is how I would go about it. That's fantastic information. That was a wealth of information. And, and there are many, many prospects and their families that are going to be very, very appreciative of you kind of walking through those steps. Let, let me ask you about your camps. It, it is, um, do you have greater success recruiting prospects from your camp as opposed to um, maybe uh, trusted advisors that you have built up throughout your career or going to showcases or just uh, relying on maybe uh, going to games in person, like high school games? I think it's a giant formula. Like we have some advisors that I trust incredible amount. If they tell us that they have a kid for us, man, I'm going to do everything I can to go see them. You know, we have high school coaches that I've gotten players from throughout my whole career that if they call about a kid, man, we are going to listen. And then we have good success at our camps because it should, you know, those players actually want to be there. Uh, but regardless of whether they come to camp or we're getting names, like we are definitely going to see them in game. Uh, like we have to see kids in game. We have to see them more than once. You know, we have to do our homework. We have to make sure that it's a good fit athletically and academically. Um, so it's, it's just one giant formula. I think sometimes coming to camp can be the final piece or it can be the initial piece. It's just dependent on where you are in the process. Uh, we had a young man that we saw multiple times. 
Um, he wound up coming to camp. He performed really well, and we were able to, you know, make an offer, and he committed. So his was late in the process. We had another one that, man, that's how we really first saw him. Then we saw him a couple times in game, and then we committed him. Right, so that it it's all a journey, and it looks different for everybody. Man, I got to tell you, Coach Burke, you have been absolutely fantastic. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, our conversation and just getting to know you a little bit better and, and who you are as a coach and, and the institute that you represent in Iona. And uh, it's just been an absolutely uh, enlightening, uh, informative conversation. And I, I certainly hope that you've enjoyed it as well. Oh, Alan, I've enjoyed it, and I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. If, if, if you have time, I'd love to ask you one more question. And no, I have as much time as you need. Hey, man, I appreciate that. It's a question that I like to ask a lot of people, and it really involves high school kids again. And, and the age that I like to kind of focus on is a freshman in high school, and, and they're really just kind of getting started in their prep career. And, and if they're really good – at baseball today and they have a desire to be good for as just as long as they have the ability to be good. What could they do today to maybe kind of set up their success that that'll help them long-term become addicted to the weight room and have great grades. And I've, I don't think we've ever recruited a player and looked at him and said, man, that guy is too strong and his grades are too good. (laughs) I love that, man. I absolutely love that answer. And I got to tell you again, just thank you so much for hopping on with us and uh, just spending a little bit of time. I think this has been fantastic. Again, very informative. And you are absolutely going to have some impact on people across the country that are going to listen to this. So thank you so much, Coach. No, Alan, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And with that, I think we're going to say goodnight. Hey, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dominate at the plate this season? Blast Baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution, trusted by more major league, college, and travel ball teams than any other. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 and you will save $25 at checkout. Unlock your potential with Blast.